Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I'm Vic Versero. So glad you could join us today. And today I'm so excited to have with us somebody who I've been looking forward to having on the show for a while. He's doing great things all across uh, multiple of areas in Michigan and throughout the nation. And I'm just glad to have him with us. His name is Mark McDaniel. He's the CEO of Synair. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vic. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, well, you know, I've seen you around town and been honored to watch you in action. And you're the kind of person that I think a lot of us want to hear the story about you and your organization. And I guess before I get too far down the road here, can you tell me a little bit about what your role is and what you do and what Synair is? That's a lot to ask, but just give us the overview. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite the story, actually. But I'm the CEO, founder of what is now known as Sinair. This is our 30th anniversary of our founding. I started it back in 1993, and it was created in the beginning just for Michigan to put together investment funds that the investors would be able to go into a, a supporting affordable housing development, which was for people that are like 60% of the area meeting income and less. It was using a federal program called the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit, which investors can get a dollar-for-dollar dollar tax credit against their federal tax liability. Mm -hmm. These would be corporations. Mm -hmm. And so it hadn't really ever been done on a local basis. It was all national. And at the time, the national investors had about zero interest in investing in the state of Michigan, let alone in the more distressed communities in the state. So that was the beginning and the reason why we formed it was originally known as Mission Capital Fund for Housing. Oh, okay. And I, I was charged with raising a $10 million fund. I had enough seed capital to live and run it for three years. I left a good job in development at a nonprofit, 50% pay cut, and <laughs> decided I'm going to take this on. And I wanted to build something that was my vision rather than somebody else's. Wow, yeah. that's pretty So cool. that was kind of the beginning of it and shocked everybody that we raised the $10 million in 14 months. Never used all the seed capital, and we were old after that. Isn't that incredible? Well, you know, I can't wait to hear all of the details and information about all of this. But as you kind of get down through this, I guess, let me back up a little bit. One of the things I want to say is I was down at your headquarters here in Lansing the other day, and I love your tagline. I don't know if you came up with it or paid somebody a lot of money, but it was advancing communities. And I just yes. love that. Where did that come from? Well, it started out as my core of when I started was I had a saying that it's about the people. I wanted to build an organization that focused on people as number one rather than making a lot of money. My theory was if you focus on people as your priority, the money comes as a byproduct of that. Mm -hmm. And through that, you know, by focusing on people in really, we're focused on distressed communities. And by focusing on the people that live there and providing them with opportunities happen because you would eventually live in a healthy community. That's how you transform and advance a community to be like healthy in a place where all people want to be, not just, you know, the ones that are the poorest. Well, it just strikes me as a noble impressive cause it's for helping people affordable housing i just love the whole thing about it and i just think the work you're doing is just incredible but let's go back to the beginning are you from this area from lansing area or are you a michigan state person yeah my hometown is in kalamazoo oh that's where i grew up i went to kalamazoo central high school and when i got out i came to michigan state university and got my bachelor's degree in urban planning 
And luckily, I had summer jobs back in Kalamazoo working for a planning, engineering, architectural firm. They hired me directly right out. I knew I had a job when I got out. Oh, isn't that? Which in the late 70s was almost impossible. No small feet, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. But I moved back to Kalamazoo. I was there for five years. I started getting in kinds of things related to community development on the kind of the sticks and bricks side of things. And, And I ended up back up here in East Lansing, which was not my plan, but that was where I ended back up in 83, working for a multi-state affordable housing developer, and I've been here ever since. I worked for them for nine, ten years, and there's a whole story to that we'll probably get into here later, but, and then I kind of moved on from that to the nonprofit sector and then ended up starting this. Well, it's just amazing the pathway and how all of those things tend to connect together. And all of a sudden, you look back and you go, man, I guess there was a bigger plan than just little old me in all of this. And so, yeah, yeah, and the thousands of people you've impacted along the way, the money that's been created and the good that's been done, I just think it's so incredibly impressive. And I can't wait to unpack the rest of the story. Mark, we're so glad you joined us here on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershera. We'll be right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And right here today, we've got with us Mark McDaniel. He's the CEO and founder of Cinere. And I just love hearing this story about this incredible company and organization that Mark created and all the good that's been done. But tell me about how this kind of got in your heart, because this is kind of a big picture thing. And how did that unpack in your world to help you create the understanding of all that you could do and all the good that you could create? Yeah, you know, it's something that's evolved over time through a you know, almost lifelong journey of making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, join uh, the club. Yeah, but, you know, I started working when I was 10 years old, oh. and where I grew up was a lower-income neighborhood, and it all working, you know, blue-collar workers. My yeah. dad was a union electrician, my grandfather, my uncle, my whole family is kind of connected to the electrician work, and so... For them, it was worth that ethic was like everything. And so they had me start working for my grandfather when I was at 10 and brought up like, you know, anything you want, you got to earn. And so it's okay. If I want to go buy baseball cards, I had to work for it. Nobody's going to go buy them for me. So that's the way, you know, I kind of grew up in always working, always finding opportunities. And, you know, that kind of followed me into college where I had to pay for 
a you know good part of my school, mm-hmm. and which meant I had to find a way to make money. And so I figured out, you know, joining a fraternity, which at the time was not a popular thing, <laughs> but I could hold all the different positions in the house and I could get paid. Oh, And so I joined and I worked my way up over those four years. I became president of the fraternity, which I got free room and board, which was, <laughs> you can't beat that. No, sign and, me up for that. But I had every job you could in the place those four years. I even went out, bought vending machines, cigarette machine, a pop machine that I sold beer through. And, <laughs> but, you know, anything I could do to, you know, be able to have, you know, cash oh, to live. Right. And. You know, I got out, went back, worked in Kalamazoo, and that job was one where everything kind of landed on my desk just because I was willing to, like, take it on, even though I might not have known what I was doing, but I'd study right. it really hard. Right. I spent my off hours studying what it was that I was, you know, the contract was about, and then I'd go out and, you know, figure it out, you know, firsthand, and which... A lot of times it worked, but a lot of times you made a lot of mistakes right. well, you learned yeah. from it. Well, I want to stop you there, Mark, only because I think you hit on something that's really important to especially younger listeners that are in the midst of starting their career. I want to make sure that we capture that because so many times I hear employees go, why does the boss keep giving me that? Or why do I have to? That's not part of my job. And so yeah. what I heard you say is you're like, bring it on. Is that right? Yeah. And so tell me, about your, tell me what that mentality did for your amazing career. Yeah, that gave me exposure to so many different things that I learned. Mm. And when you put it all together, those are the stepping stones to advance. And those stepping stones, you really should try to be broad in your like education, your adult education, yeah. and experience lots of different things. And when you put all those things together, no matter where you go, you're going to use one of those tools again in your life because you took the chance back in the day to take something on and you learned from it. You bet. And, you know, and it's not something like it's forefronting your brain. But when you're faced with it, you go, oh, wow, you know what? I remember back in 1987, you know, I was working on this deal, and this came up. Now, <laughs> if I hadn't been willing to take that on, I never would have known. Right, right. And so I, I've told my kids, that, like, don't just, like, focus on the only thing you know, and that's all you do. You, should, you have a broad spectrum. And the other thing is... Whatever you do for what we call work, I don't call my job work anymore. It's my passion. It's like it's what makes me go every day is that you have to broaden your experiences and not limit yourself. So you take things on. So what if you don't really know it that well? There's a lot of people around you are more than willing to help you if you ask. Right. Yeah, it's been a life. I still learn every day. I learn something. I'm open to learn all the time. But I see a lot of people who say, well, I already know that. I don't want to know any more. This is what I'm going <laughs> to roll with this. Yeah. And they only get so far. Yeah, and we see them all around. And I think what happens is that, you know, that natural curiosity and willingness to step up and grow, I think that that is the core, a vital element in terms of where somebody like you ends up looking back on a career and going, this all added up to a greater sum yeah. 
than what it would have been if I just stayed in my lane. And I just think it's an inspiration, Mark, to people listening in and to really people understanding how to build a career, a career of curiosity about learning, growing, and then all of a sudden doing some extraordinary things. And we're going to understand a little bit more about some of the great things you've been doing and some of the great ways you've been impacting these communities through Synair and the organization you built. Mark, we're glad you're here. We're glad you tuned in to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. back right here on the Leadership Lowdown, right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero and so glad that we have with us Mark McDaniel. He's the CEO and founder of Cinear. And Mark, I'm loving unpacking your story because there's so many pearls of wisdom in here that we're just loving to have a part of and getting on the air. I want to pull up right here. You know, you mentioned that your dad was, I guess, an electrician. I want to make sure, how do you get to where you're at with such humble beginnings? Was your dad, I don't know if there's your grandfather involved, tell me about some of their philosophies that maybe helped you along the way. Yeah, both my grandfather and my dad both became, you know, because they were in it for so long, they were master electricians, and they ended up, you know, becoming supervisor, superintendent on job sites, so they had a lot of guys working for them. And mm. they both told me, when I, you know, grow up, said one of the things they told me is you never ever do you ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself and when people guys came when my dad passed away came the funeral they said you know he would never throw us into something that he wasn't willing to do and if it was like a dangerous kind of a thing he had young guys he'd climb up the pole and do the work but then teach them as he was doing it Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people would never do it. They'd just send the you know young guys up there and you do it. And, you know, I'm not going to take any risk on it. It's not my job. Right, that right. was now how I was brought up. And I've tried to bring that with me in my work is that, you know, if even making coffee, I come in in the morning when everybody used to be here. I make <laughs> the coffee. I get here early and I make the coffee for right. everybody. And I have I I had people come in and say, why is a CEO making coffee? And it's like, why not? <laughs> why not? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, you're putting me in a bad spot here because not that I wouldn't be willing to make the coffee, but I remember when I was charged with training some of our, what we call them, field personnel, field men. Years ago, when I worked for a farm organization, we would pull into a farm home 
and there'd be a big ferocious dog or a big deep-throated dog barking. And I go, oh. And the gentleman or the person I was training would look at me and go, what? And I go, rookie rule. And he'd look at me and I'd say, that means that the rookie gets out to see if that dog's friendly or not. <laughs> so I'm a little embarrassed when I hear somebody like you and I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome, Mark. But I had a German Shepherd gnaw on my leg when I was about 10 years old, so I had a little phobia of dogs. But I love where you're at. I love what your grandpa and your granddad had to say about how you could become there. But well, tell me, you know, when you think about some of the formidable things that happened in your career, we've got people like our relatives, grandparents, mentors that have helped us along the way. Were there some events that were striking in terms of where your direction ended up and what happened to you? You mentioned a nonprofit. Tell me, was that a formidable time in your career? Right before I went to kind of the nonprofit side, it was a turning point. It's like I had two lives. And that was the turning point in my life was when I made that decision to focus on working more in kind of the nonprofit sector. Before that, I'd worked for two for-profit companies. And the one that brought me here to Lansing was a development company. And when I you know, came, and I had the same mentality at the other place was it was all about making money and advancing. I mean, that's what I thought I had to do because you know, that was kind of the downside of an upbringing where, you know, if you want to have anything, you got to earn cash. Yeah. And so that transformed into a drive I had. And so when I got here, I was married. I had a baby on the way, but I threw myself into this job like 110%. Mm. And I was very successful at it, became president of the company eventually, but it was a dog-eat-dog kind of a environment. Like, to get ahead, you had to do things that, you know, to get ahead. And so, as I used to say, you worked really hard and you played really hard. And also, I was 32, became the president of this company, and my head got pretty big. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I thought it was pretty hot. And so, you know, I've kind of forgot there's a family there, you know, yeah, yeah. and I was on the road going, going. And if I wasn't, I was out doing things. And the company was successful until it wasn't. In the late 80s, the economy changed. And I found myself having to lay off a lot of people, which was horrible because these are all people I kind of grew up in the business sure, with. Yeah. And then it kind of became my turn. I saw I was in the target and I looked at. There was one person that came into my life, was the executive director of the State Housing Development Authority, a guy by the name of Terry Verney. And he took me aside at a conference one time and he said, you know, you got a lot more to you than what you think you do. You ought to think about maybe looking at other things. You're still in development, but you've got a lot more offer than what you're given. And that stuck with me. And I started thinking about it and I started watching him and how he operated, how he managed, and he was a people-first person. And that's when it started to set into me, like, the people are really more important, wow. especially the people that you're serving by building the units for, you know? Because wow. up till then, all I knew was the more boxes I built, the more I got paid. I didn't even think about the people <laughs> yeah, that were living in product, you know? right? Yeah. So, you know, I go from that, and here I am, kind of move, move ahead here quickly, but next thing I know, I'm separated I was not a veteran, but I was very much into veterans things. And I was living with a Vietnam veteran who said, hey, you can come live with me. I got an addict up here that, you know, it's kind of finished. And you can come here. I won't charge you anything. 
so here I am. I find myself. I'm living in an attic. I am a single dad with two young kids, and I'm looking at how the hell did I get here? Right. And it was because I was focused on myself, about making money, and advancing, and I forgot about the most important things in my you know life was one family. Even with my family, you know, my parents, because I was so focused on the other. And you're sitting there looking at, you know, how did I end up in this situation? Oh. And it was because my priorities were all wrong. And okay. I listened to Terry and, you know, and he said, you got to think about, you know, the people that you're serving. And when that dawned on me and I started going out actually to the properties, I would just meet the residents and I'd talk with them. And I realized I had to get out of this. Yeah. And just well, to save my life. It's the lessons we learned. We no, got- it was the darkest period. And I left the company. I didn't have a job to go to. I just, I can't do this anymore. And Well, in the business, um, we call this a cliffhanger. We're going to have to go to break yep. right now. But I got to tell you, I want to hear more about and how this, where this comes. Because the rest of the story has got to unfold in a really positive, happy ending. And, of course, it hasn't ended yet because we've got great things to hear about what's going on at Scenarius. Thanks so much. For being with us here on the Leadership Lowdown, I'm Vic Verser, and we'll be right back. For something to grow, it takes time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown right here with Mark. McDaniel, he is the CEO and founder of Synair, and we're so glad we're hearing his story and what's going on. And Mark, in the last segment, I think we hit a low. I think we ended up with a spot in your life when we call it an epiphany, when you learned and understood there's more to this whole world than me and more than just earning a buck. And you started to turn the whole conversation about people and about the end product of what you can do to do good. So tell me, in that darkest hour, where did the light of sunshine come to you? Yeah, the first ray showed up when I started going out to some of the communities that I had actually developed, and I took time to actually talk and meet to the residents. And when you hear their stories about where they came from, Mm. and sometimes is the first decent housing they've ever had in their life, that really set in with me. I need to find a way to do this. And just happened to be the executive director of a statewide nonprofit development company reached out to me. I'd known him for years. And he said, hey, I want to build out my growth with the development side of my business. Would you be willing to come and run it? And that was my turning point that I got into something that was focused on the more difficult communities, really helping people that were in need. It put me on the ground in those communities. I was working with other nonprofit organizations, community development corporations, faith-based groups, churches, and helping them carry out their vision for how they want to transform their community. And they thought housing was basically the foundation of being able to do that. But I got my juice then, and I just loved it. Mark, did it feel like a light bulb clicked? I mean, was it that noticeable? Yeah, it was a whole nother 
life that I started, a lot of good things started to happen. I met who my wife is now at the beginning of that. She came in when it was really dark and she kind of kicked me in the butt. (laughs) Yeah, she was a huge supporter, but she didn't give me any slack on behavior or, you know, feeling sorry for yourself or any of that stuff. And so she was kind of very timely showing up. And then this position I had, I was out and about, and I really felt like I was really making a difference. I was doing some really cool, impactful development then. I just loved it. And the people at the State Housing Authority knew me really well because I was kind of hung out down there all the time. And the executive director, Jim Logue, called and said, hey, we got this idea of starting a state fund because we can't get any investors to invest in Michigan. And would you consider doing it? Well, I've been following it. They'd made offers to three other people from all out of state. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, so now you're coming to me? Yeah, I'm, I'm third place. <laughs> so What's said, going on? No, I'm happy with where I'm at. You <laughs> know? And another person there a month later called who I was very close to. She calls and she knew what my hot button was about making a difference and focused on people. You know, she knew what was making me tick. So she talked to me and I said, you know what? I'll do it. Mm. I just gotten engaged. So I hadn't talked to Mary I was even thinking about anything like this. So I came home and told us I quit my job at the nonprofit. I'm going to start this new organization that's never really been done. There's no real model for it. I got enough seed capital that we can live for like three years. And I'm going to take a 50% pay cut. And she looked at me and like, what are you doing? Yeah. So anyway, she called her dad, who was Lieutenant Colonel of State Police at the time, and he was warning her, is this somebody you really want to be oh, with? Oh, wow. Oh, my. <laughs> but anyway, you know, That's we got That's what dads started. do. They protect yeah. their girls, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got it started, and she was very helpful in the beginning because I didn't really know much about nonprofits, like how to run them and governance and a board of directors, and that was her background. So she was very instrumental in helping me build that organization in the beginning years. And I had a lot of people call me up right away and say, this is never going to work. Oh, this is some harebrained thing that oh, Mish has got in their head. And they're telling me, why did you do this? You know, what's wrong with you? A lot of these people <laughs> knew me from my previous life. Yeah. So they're like, what are you doing? You know, and that's another thing from my childhood is like, there was a good trait and a bad trait is you never told me I couldn't do something. And that was what I was hearing. And so then it's like, okay, now I'm going to prove it all to you. And that was my challenge is like, you just don't tell me I can't do something. And I didn't really know what I was doing because a fund like this hadn't really been done. So, you know, I told you earlier about all the things I learned about not being afraid to take things on and studying it and learning, making mistakes. Well, I kind of pulled that old toolbox out and I used those tools to build this organization but my whole number one thing was I was going to make it about the people Mm. and my number one thing was the people that worked with me they're my most valuable group of people I have because you put them number one you take care of them take care of their families that will go externally to our partners to our investors and ultimately the beneficiaries are the people who end up living in our housing developments or work in the commercial and those type industrial things that we've done. Well, Mark, you can point back at that and say, man, we have succeeded in those naysayers. You've got such a story to tell. And we're not done telling the story, but we've got to take a quick break right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. 
The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Business Network, and you found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Mark McDaniel, CEO and founder of Sinair. And Mark, when we talk about some of the lessons learned, what I think I've just got to ask the questions, you're doing something that nobody's done before. You're founding something where the naysayers have said, hey, my friend, this isn't going to work. You're going the wrong direction. Pull out, pull out. So when you have all of that headwind coming at you, there had to be some mighty big challenges and lessons you've learned along the way. Tell me about that in your words. Yeah, there's a number of things in this over 30 years. That Probably the biggest one is, you know, in that period of time, we've had a number of economic downturns. Yes. The worst one, you know, in 08, 9, 10. And that's when capital just froze up, right? I mean, oh, yeah. And that's what you are, is moving capital yes. to projects, right? Yeah, we got a heads up from a couple of our board members who worked for our two bigger investors, and they said, we're going to give you a heads up, but we're probably pulling out of the market here in the next few months. Oh, you ought to think about planning for it. So that was 40% of our funds came from those two investors. And so we sat down and we put together a two-year plan for how we're going to manage through this. And we didn't know the recession was going to be as bad as it got, but just losing 40% of your investment in a matter of months, that's pretty damaging. You have to admit, Mark, that's almost not recoverable. There are a lot of people that didn't. Right, right. Yeah. And we put together a plan around diversifying what we were doing. We went to a two-year budget cycle. We cut expenses that we could. And the number one thing, we had a plan for two years. And the last piece of the plan is thing, you know, as we saw where we're at, would come where we would have to actually start looking at overhead, which is the people side. So, you know, we got through the first year pretty good, got to the second year, and we are still a million dollars short on our budget. And then we said, okay, now we're at this last and final phase. And I told everybody, I said, we're not laying anybody off. As I've been clear about that from the very beginning of the organization, and there's got to be a better way. We sat down, our executive, and we came up with something that nobody's ever heard of, but it was a voluntary separation program. And we put out to everybody, you'd apply for it. Everybody in the company was eligible. You would apply. And if you weren't like a critical part of the company, which, you know, that wasn't a lot of people, if your application was accepted, you got a full year salary, full year's health benefits, and you would separate from the company. Mm. And we had 15 people apply. We accepted 13. And we parted. Everybody is, you know, very happy. They're sad because they liked working here, but they still like to get like a whole year of salary and benefits. Nobody does that. Right. And every single one of them, they did amazing things. They went back to school, paid off school loans, bought their first house, paid off, you know, debts that they had. 
and most of them were all reemployed within 60 days. <laughs> so it was like a windfall. Yeah. You know, they had a whole year's salary and they had another job. Wow. And actually, some of those people have come back and worked for us again. Because you treated um, them so right. Uh, yeah. In the, in the, yeah. And our investors, they said, we've never heard of this being done before. We're just like amazed. And it was a trigger for them to really look, you know, and they're making their choices. Who are we going to invest? They came back to us because mm. they saw how much we truly cared. It wasn't just words. Yeah. And they knew the beneficiary was going to be protecting their investment. Well, you put people right there at the very front line, which really makes a big difference. And I got to ask you maybe an uncomfortable question, but would the early years of Mark McDaniel have made that, based on what you're telling me, I'm not sure the young Mark would have done that. No, because the young Mark was the guy that had to let go of 100 people or so in my previous life, and it was horrible. Yeah. And it ruined people's lives. I mean, it was very toxic. And divorces came, just bad things that happened going through that. And I was responsible. Mm. And I just said, I can never do this again. And here I am, I'm faced with it again. We came up with a way to do it the right way. Yeah. Well, and of course, there's so many lessons learned along the way. And so many times that I love and honored to be a part of this show because I get a chance to sit at the feet of people like you to hear about some of the challenges and just the real life situations that you've went through to make the best decision you could at the time. And then, of course, a better decision given the wisdom of years. So, Mark, man, I'm grateful to have your time today. I'm grateful that you tuned in as a listening audience to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back for our final segment. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. back here for our final segment here on the Leadership Lowdown. I've got one short segment left. I wish these were longer. Mark, you've had such a wonderful, enriching conversation today. Thank you so much for that. Mark McDaniels, our CEO and founder of Sinair. Mark, as I think about, you know, the challenges and issues that came when the entire financial markets completely froze up on us in 2008, and you are in the middle of all that. So tell me, how do you emerge out of that? Where are you today? And any lessons learned that uh, we can take notes on? Well, as part of that planning we did during the Great Recession, the board challenged us that you've got to diversify the company more than it is. And because at that time, we're still 80% of our revenue was coming out of our syndication of the tax credits, which is basically investment funds. And any company 
I mean, you don't want to have like 80 or 90% of all your revenue based on one single thing. And so we started a diversification, which was to start building a lending arm of the company to get we acquired a title company because that was one of the things a lot of these things we've created in our diversification was listening to the market say if only we had this we Mm. could do more yeah so we listened to that so what we've done is try to fill the gaps in the market for what the development community investor community was saying if only we had this so we heard loud and clear about lending products capital title was very difficult in urban core areas to get you know a good title. So we acquired a company that knew how to do that. We got certified by the federal treasury on being a community development finance institution, which opened up a door for a whole nother host of other capital resources oh, that wow. we can use for lending. So we got the lending. We also became a Fannie Mae affordable housing lender as part of this. So that's kind of starting to build the lending company. We got a nonprofit development company. So I kind of went back to my roots a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, but I wanted to do it the right way. So we created that. And then we got into some other capital sources like new markets, tax credits. We created a real estate investment fund, yep. $60 million that we put into communities, non-housing. It was all kind of downtown redevelopment, a couple of boutique hotels and distressed communities, a real interesting mix of things. And new markets tax credit, again, is non-housing. So we got into other things. And here we are today. We also acquired a fund just like us in the beginning that was out in Delaware about 10 years ago. So that got us in the mid-Atlantic. So opened up a whole new geography, a whole new avenue for investment and lending. And you put that all together, and here we are today, our whole business is around being a community development finance institution, but we're not like any other one in the country because we have such a holistic approach to resources that we're providing. And as a result of this, we now serve nine states. Oh, and this diversity came all about in the last 10, 15 years, true? Yeah, absolutely. That's remarkable. Yeah, the Great Recession taught us a lesson that we need to be more than just a one-trick pony. Yes. And there's been a lot of pain. (laughs) Growth is hard. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) growth is very hard. And when you grow, your team grows. Yeah. So, you know, we got almost 150 employees now. And that's a lot of different personalities. And that's a lot of different agendas. It's a lot of different styles. And then you throw in the whole kind of the younger generation that's coming in the workforce. That's a totally different. Their needs are and what they want than probably the way I grew up. Well, let's stay there for a second. What advice would you give to that? Maybe someone's son or daughter that's entering the workforce or that's coming out of college or maybe saying my career is not going where I thought it would go because Yours sure has, and what pearls of wisdom would you share there? One, I tell young people all this, is you got to find the passion for what you want to do. That's number one. Yeah. And that's what I missed for 15 years. <laughs> Very good. You know? and, but you find that passion, and no matter what it is, you know, it might not make a lot of money or you know, whatever it is, but you find that passion, and you pursue it, and you chase it, and you stay open to all the opportunities that might be there with it not just focus on one thing and that's all you do is you need to open yourself up and be willing to learn all the things that might be out there. Mm. And then you got to work hard at it, right? You got to be, you know, present and engaged 
and asking questions and learning and finding mentors like I did that will help you grow into the business. The thing that I see is people are kind of sitting, waiting for things to fall in their lap. Yeah. Like my responsibility or other managers' responsibilities to like take care of them and, you know, put it in their lap and then, you know, actually make it happen for them. And then they get frustrated because here you don't see things fall in your lap. You make things happen. The reason you're here is we hired you because you're a professional and you're an adult. And with that, it's more an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, entrepreneurs make things happen. Yeah. Successful entrepreneurs, they're not successful if they're waiting for things to come to them. Well, and that's really the just incredible story that you've unpacked today for us today, Mark, is just the notion that you've not waited for anything. You've taken some lumps and you've learned all along the way and been curious. And I just love the diversification you did for Synair to really make you a much stronger entity along the way. Mark, thanks so much for your time. You have a great story and thanks for sharing it today. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be able to talk with you and be on your show, Vic. I appreciate it. Really good stuff, Mark. We wish you and your organization all the best because you're doing tremendous work for people that are way less fortunate than I have been in my life. And so I'm grateful for all the work you do and the work of Senior Organization altogether. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network and thanks for listening to the Leadership Lowdown. I can't wait to talk to you next time.